When you're a small beetle in a big world, you can easily become someone's lunch if you're not careful. So having a secret weapon is vital to survival. When danger rears its ugly head, the bombardier beetle rears its rear to give a nasty chemical surprise to any hungry eyes that might want an easy snack. It just goes to show that paying attention in chemistry class can save your life. But sometimes you just gotta give your enemies the business here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm... Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or Spotify. And thank you to Brian for the creation of this week's artwork. To check it out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy, Or visit us at our home on the web at LDTaxonomy.com. And today we're talking about bug spray, in a manner of speaking, but more on that later. It's nasty and bad for you. To drink? Both. (laughs) Speaking of that, things that are bad for you. On the video that we posted, which you can see now, Life, Death, and Taxonomy, the YouTube channel. Since we're a brand new YouTube channel, it's hard to find. But you can find it by typing in Life, Death, and Taxonomy and filtering by channel. Uh, but on the video for the Tanuki, my sister commented, so when Carlos threw up, did the peppermint get unstuck? It did. I mean, it, so it, it, it works, it, is what th- you're saying. Thro- throwing up worked. There were better ways to go about doing that. But And I probably wasn't, my windpipe probably wasn't totally closed. I was just freaking out, having something lodged there um but yeah i do i wouldn't recommend drinking bleach in order to remove things from your windpipe but you know it, it worked for me <laughs> <laughs> but i do not officially endorse that's a remedy with that. some serious uh side effects and that's that is, this is a good segue because bleach is a base which is the opposite of an acid true which is what we're going to be talking about today. Strap in for some chemistry. Just kidding. I'm going to... I. It was. It went over my head. There were lots of long chains of uh, formulas and chemical compounds. So we're going to stay as high level as possible. But what are we talking about? We're ta- talking of the Bombardier Beetle. Bombardier? Bombardier Beetle. Bombardier Leviosa. <laughs> yeah. It's actually the Bombardier Beetle. Bombardier? Bom- I like bom- Bombardier. Bom- <laughs> bombardier. Is that how you spell like a like actual Bombardier? Like a, Pretty like sure. A, there's an R at... It's Bombardier. The uh, actual military position. Old-timey military position. I don't know if they still have an official position called the the bombardier i imagine it's more advanced these days since there are more kinds of bombs <laughs> than there used to be okie dokie let's see here 
what else would you like to call this thing? Oh, I thought you were looking up something pertinent to bombardiers. Oh no! And, and we're, you were going to regale us with uh, your your new uh, iPhone knowledge. No, we got an email. Oh, okay. But that's nice. for later. <laughs> um, thanks for emailing us. We're going to call the bombardier beetle here the antacid artillery, which makes sense as a pun. Um, mon crepitant, <laughs> which is a reference to Q from the next generation. Um, and then F. Scott Spritzgerald. <laughs> That's good. I like Yum. that. Let's taxonomize this this boy, this bombardier okay. boy for us. Here's what science calls it. It's in the kingdom you know, love, and live within the kingdom, Animalia. Mm-hmm. The phylum is Arthropoda. Knew it. The class, Insecta. Got it. Got it. Good, good. All good the, things. The order is Coleoptera. Sure. So, so, you know. So, of course. That's beetles. Beetles of all types. And then the family is Carabidae. Carabidae. It's overpriced Italian food. Yeah, that's ground beetles. And I don't mean they make beetle burgers out of it. (laughs) Beetles that like to live on the ground. That's how you make beetle juice. They're a cosmopolitan family of beetles. <laughs> that they they there are there are beetles about town. Uh, <laughs> on the ground. I don't want a beetle around the bush, but uh, I don't know can follow that up with. That was the that was as far as my joke got. The Guinness is a break Such it's got a ch. Is that breakiness or brachiness? My Guinness was made at Saint James Gate. Brachinus. Brachinus, yeah. that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, the species is crepitans. Crepitans. Crepitan? That's why I called them mon crepitans. Crepitans. Brachinus crepitans. Crepitans. Creepy tans. Like orange, know. like leathery tans. Yeah. Creepy tans. It's more like dangerous tan. <laughs> Or it's the it's the tan that a crepe has. Yes, it's a, it's very crepey. A toasted crepe. Yeah, mm. I like that better. Let's do. Let's go with that one. Yeah. But since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show: critter groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question. That question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal, or what is the term of entry, or what is the collective? Now, if you saw a bunch of beetles, what would you call them? Would you call them A, a colony of beetles, B, a bracket of beetles, C, a mound of beetles, or D, a clam of beetles? Clam? That came out weird. Beetles. Um, <laughs> a clan. Uh, like, a, like a Scottish clan. A bracket, a clan, a mound, and then what was the fourth one? Colony, bracket, mound, clam. Bracket of beetles is too alliterated. It's too good. Unacceptable. Beetle clan. (laughs) They they don't have such hierarchies. 
They don't have loyalties, clans? You don't think they have leaders in long-standing generational feuds? And I don't think they clash with other clans. Um... I just watched the movie Klaus on Netflix. Again, oh, we watched it the yeah, first time last the, year. It's, it's pretty not good. not a bad... Uh, it's hard to make a new addition to Christmas movies and have it be good. But it's good. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like super original, but it puts everything together well. Uh, too many pop songs, but other than that... And has some funny moments. Nice. Yep, and uh, J.K. Simmons knocks it out of the park again with his voice acting. Obviously. Uh, I'm going to go with Colony. Final answer. Ding, ding, ding. You're correct. The answer is yeah. Colony. I thought I, I, there might, it's pretty mundane. That might've been kicking around in the back of my brain from some other time knowing it. I don't know but if I remember Beatles before, but I, I just was thinking they don't live in colonies and there are insects that live in colonies. But I feel I feel like we've done the last time we did a beetle. I don't think we've done an, a true beetle, possibly since the um. I can't remember what it's called. It's been so long. But the beetle that hamstrings frogs and eats yeah. them alive. Yeah, that one. The Epomus beetle. Yes, that's what it is. The Epomus beetle. Check it out. It's like episode eight or something like that. Um, but yeah. Good job. A colony of beetles. It's two in a row, I think. I think. Okie dokie. Would you like to have this thing described to you? Sure. I'll take it. They Bombardier beetles come in uh, several different varieties. But most have a large abdomen, long thorax, and a small head. You know, like a beetle. Mm -hmm. uh, looking at it, you may assume that it's mostly abdomen, but its wings, its elytra, uh, conceal half of its thorax and then go over its abdomen. So the abdomen and the thorax are about the same length. So our friend the Crepitans has a shiny dark green elytra and an or red-orange body. Colorful bug. Which usually means bad things. Stay away. Yes. Uh, and that's not untrue here. So, if you're, there's the, in terms of beetle size, Bombardier beetles run the gamut. But how big is this particular Bombardier beetle? Uh,. Let's, let's talk about that. Welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send in audio, audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering. The words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. I was trying you to think it. of another... I was trying you to think it. of another uh, sound, an onomatopoeia... Of sorts. Pop. For this, this uh the bombardier beetle makes a loud popping sound. So if you want to pop say, measure say up pop. Or a measure up intro. So, so I expect I we expect a full length pop song featuring auto tune and no actual uh instruments, please. Of measure up. 
So we do have a new Measure Up intro this week from Nora, who we've heard from before. She also awesome. sent in her favorite animal. She said it was the noble, idiotic dairy cow. <laughs> it's, it's it sounds like maybe she has some exper- experience. Some, some history. I wonder if she's lived the, or worked on a farm. It's the, the very two, two very different adjectives. Uh, noble and yet idiotic. I'm tr- I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around. You could be a dumb nobleman. Yeah, but are you really noble? You could also be noble. You don't. It doesn't take intelligence to have a firm morality. nobility. Yeah. What's the, no, nobility? Right, how do you? Good, how would you but, define besides like, like, uh, you know, being connected it's a, to royalty? It seems that nobility, I've always thought of it as a character trait, but yeah. now that I look back, it seems like it might be more, it's used more as like a, maybe like an aesthetic thing, like a, the, the noble stag or the noble steed or something. No, it's it's both. Like it, loyal? I think it probably courageous. is started as the hereditary class of like high class people, but then, you know classist society would take that and say well somebody with video high moral qualities is a noble is noble at heart for those watching on youtube uh you're gonna see a a bit of a hiccup because uh my entire neighborhood lost power in one instant Uh, but we, we we got it back after five minutes so uh but it just took a little bit of rebooting we're back at it to discuss the issue that's plaguing our society today. Nobility. What is nobility? And why do we call horses noble? Anyway, <laughs> the noble, the first term is, the, you know, her, the class. And then the second definition is uh, showing fine qualities, personal qualities, and moral principles and high ideals. Would you say that about a cow? No, they're incapable. Nora would. They're incapable of morality, but they are. But she she thinks they're both noble, and uh, what was the other thing? Uh, idiots. I- Idiotic. Yeah. <laughs> Idiotic. <laughs> I just it's just such just such good juxtaposition. Just like it's they're sweet and salty in there. It's like kettle corn. <laughs> So it could be, so my point stands that somebody can be dumb and also have a high moral backbone, moral principles. Like a Gryffindor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry if you got Gryffindor on the, on the, the internet house challenge and you feel insulted by that. It's more, more like a, um, so did I. But it's more like, um, what's the loyal one? Hufflepuff? That's Hufflepuff. Yeah, that's more like a Hufflepuff. Loyalty and bravery kind of go hand in hand with nobility. And those are both characteristics of two different houses. So, Yeah. You can't put me in a box, <laughs> Harry Potter. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get into it. She sent us an, a measure up intro. And let's hear it. Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Measure up. Short and sweet. 
There's not like it. That's all you got to do. Perfect. It, it, that was a perfect example of how easy it is to do a measure up. Oh yeah. And also tell us what your favorite animal is. She also sent, oh, I should, I guess I should read cause she gave some insight into, remember we were talking about the Tanuki and the horrible art, like the Jap, <laughs> like the old Japanese art. Yeah. The, the, the yokai version. Yeah. So she said that all of the, like a lot of those paintings were from, a 19th century Japanese artist named Utagawa Kuniyoshi. Not bad. It looked Utagawa worse than Kuniyoshi. it was. Um, Japanese is, if you, if you take the time to put the whole word together, it's actually surprisingly uh, easy to pronounce because the consonants are really, and vowels are similar to, to Latin languages. She says, um, he did an ongoing series of Tanuki going about their everyday lives, but using their comically enormous and stretchy <laughs> testicles as multi-tools. So then she sent like a bunch of them and yep. They're, it's a boat. It's a parachute. It's a blanket. Workout equipment. It looks like <laughs> fishing net. <laughs> What? If a part of your body had to shapeshift, that's one I wouldn't pick. Yeah. Gotta say. Oofda. What weird are... legends about such a creature. You know, I feel like Aesop's fables really lacked imagination when compared to this. Um, that's the next uh that's the next series of Pokemon games, legendary Pokemon. Wasn't there like a <laughs> series called Yo something with Yokai? Uh the video game Neo has Yokai in it. It's just you fight Japanese demons from actual folklore. So there was Yokai Watch, which was games and a show where demons came out of your watch. I bet not that particular one. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about their size and dimensions in relatable terms. Let's talk length. They're between seven uh, and ten point two millimeters, or zero point two eight to zero point four zero inches how many bombardier beetles go into the length of optimistic optimistic nah optimistic nah cave is that a decepticon <laughs> it's a cave uh it's, it's the cave. longest gypsum cave in the world okay would you like a hint Sure, if it'll help. The cave is in Korolivka, Ukraine, and it was discovered in 1966. It's situated between layers of 20 meter thick gypsum. Now I'm just thinking of like an anime where some kid has a watch that releases yokai. Yeah. But then that's just Ben 10, isn't it? It is, so isn't it? They already did it. I've made a lot of people mad <laughs> if they like Ben 10 or anime. Um, Doesn't Ben 10's watch turn him into different things? He turns him into things. Yeah. And also, it's not an anime. It's just a cartoon. This is 10 millimeters. 10 like, millimeters. Tiny. 10 millimeters. <laughs> Almost half an inch. Um, And this is a long, the longest cave of something in the world. 
gypsum a, a gypsum les paul mm-hmm. um i'm gonna say that this cave is 50 miles Thank you, Fitty Man. <laughs> um, well, let's do some math, I guess. 264,000 feet. 3.1 million inches. My answer is 6.3 million mon crepitant. Final answer? To go down the length of this cavern, yes. The correct answer is 23.1 million beetles. So, this is a 100 and some 120 mile cavern? 146 miles so far. Oh, okay. That's 236 kilometers. But the that's just what's been mapped. There might be more. Let's talk about weight. Oh. I saw a dubious website claim that it was about one milligram, which I said, no, it isn't, too. Something that is nearly half an inch is not lighter than a snowflake. And a mosquito is like five milligrams. So I'm going to say this is seven milligrams. So how many bombardier beetles go into a large male hookle pony? What (laughs) did you call that pony? H U C U L, hustle, hustle. It's the hustle. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's the hustle pony, or the Huckleberry pony. It's the best friend of Tom Sawyer. Here's a hint. Floating down the Mississippi. I like other other names for it because they're easier to. It doesn't sound like Huckle. Um, a Huckle pony is also called a Hutzel or Carpathian pony. Carpathian Pony, that sounds uh, majestic and noble. Yeah. Uh, It was first bred by the Hutzel people of Ukraine. The first domestic horses were probably domesticated in Ukraine 6,000 years ago. And they domesticated this Carpathian Pony? This Huckle Pony? I don't know if it's the same people that domesticated the first ones, but yes. Um, Pony... So it's not a Shetland pony, so it's not the smallest pony. But it's I don't know, instinct says that it's like not I like you it, it may not be a pony that you can immediately recognize as like, oh look, that's a pony. It's so small. It might just be smaller than your average horse and therefore identified as a pony. So I'm gonna say six hundred pounds. I'm pretty sure horses are like 1,500 pounds. Now, now, we're looking for the upper end of average for males. Since you gave, since you, you, you unsolicitedly offered some information, I must be way off. Nope, I'm sticking with 600. My gut says it, and I'm going to listen to my gut and subscribe. Okay, so 600 pounds. Wait, how many ounces is it? You didn't figure that out, did you? No, I did not. I don't see how Go on a conversion adventure. It's you don't because need to I know can convert. Yeah, They're... I do because I'm I'm guessing in pounds. Oh. So the conversion. I mean, unless I, whatever. I'll just do pounds to kilograms. And it's okay. That's seven milligrams is zero. Point zero 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 two ounces. Ounces are too big. 
<laughs> um, okay, well, that works to a degree. So we're dealing with 9,600 ounces for the pony. And then divided by 0. 0.0002. The answer is 48 million. Exactly. Can you believe it? No, that's just my guess. 48 mils. So did you say 48 million beetles? I did say 48 million beetles into the Final answer? Mm-hmm. The correct answer is 65 million beetles. At least I got the number of digits right, and it wasn't that far away. Yeah. It's not the, a win, though. The huckle pony is between 880 for females and 1,200 pounds, with stallions being on the upper end of average. I almost brought it up to 800 pounds after you mentioned what you said. Darn that my gut. still gut. wouldn't have gotten you there, but it would have been closer. I eat yogurt every day, and my gut still failed me. <laughs> uh, would you like to hear some fast facts before we get into the major fact? Sure, 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 sure. The bombardier beetles are a group that is also called ground beetles, like I mentioned before. Uh, of which there are more than 500 species. The bombardier beetle lives in the steppes, the steppes of the <laughs> Podolian province of Ukraine. It's also found in the UK, especially in southern England and Wales. And it's also dispersed throughout Europe uh, because it flies. And when you know a thing can fly, it can go a lot of different places. Uh, they prefer dry, sunny areas of grasslands and plains, but they may be found under rocks in train yards, farmland, and rock quarries, especially um, chalk quarries. They like chalk. Chalk rock? Yeah, chalk rock. Uh, How the, is that not a genre of music? Shaka rock is. Is it? It's Chakra <laughs> rock? It's remember we talked about it. It's the it's the name of a jet album. It's probably like um, Australian surfer rock. That's what I would assume that would be. Uh, the species goes through several instars, but its life cycle isn't completely understood. Larvae are believed to be parasites that attach to other beetle larvae to consume it over several instars, and I saw. Um, a series of pictures of this, and it's disgusting. That as larvae, they look—they're like white little grub type things. That mm. I saw it attached—it's like attached to a this bigger orange grub thing, and then it's getting—it gets bigger as the other thing gets smaller, and the last part is like—it looks like a ghost of a beetle, like. It's got all the parts of a beetle, but it's curled up and it's white and whitish translucent. So it's not that different from the Epomus beetle, where as larva, it attaches itself to like a frog's tongue and it grows larger as the frog becomes more skeletal. Yeah, but the, in this particular case, it just attaches to the larva of other things. Not yeah, but things like frogs. it's still a parasite. Yeah. Um, uh, Ayn Rand would be so disappointed in this beetle. <laughs> the bombardier beetle is something called 
is is the subject of something called irreducible complexity. Do you know what that is? It's it means it's so complex you can't make it any less complex. Kind of. We'll talk I about why great powers of my entire I just wielded my entire linguistics bachelor's degree at you right there. Its complexity is so essential that it can't get any simpler. Anyway, we'll talk about why <laughs> why the bombardier beetle is a topic of irreducible complexity in a second because it has to do with the major fact, but irreducible complexity is a term that's debated between naturalists and people that hold to the theory of intelligent design. It's offered as a counterpoint to slow gradual evolution because uh, irreducible, irreducible complexity is a concept that says a system cannot be made any less complex and still be functional. So the primary example of this is usually pointed to as uh, the, the bacterial flagellum is the primary example of this. Apparently bacterial flagellum have like what is essentially a little motor with parts and if you were, would remove any one of those parts, it, the, the motor wouldn't work. And there's a lot more to it than that, but that's all I can understand with not a biologist's brain. Um, so it's the opposite of a Rube Goldberg machine. What is a Rube? I know what that means, but how is it an opposite? A, a Rube Goldberg machine, machine is a system that is unnecessarily complex. But usually if you remove a part, the whole thing doesn't work. I guess, yeah. It's unnecessarily complex because it does something... It's a complex machine that does something menial. That simpler machines can can handle. But anyway, the debate around irreducible complexity isn't necessarily that, oh, irreducible complexity isn't a thing. It's more... Is that thing actually irreducibly complex? So the, if, if something is irreducibly complex, then it poses a threat to the co- concept of unguided gradual evolution. But so. most of the time, people will say, no, it's not irreducibly complex because it can grow in this way or this thing is a simpler version of this thing. But yeah, so that's the debate. That's, that, that's what irreducible complexity is about. And it sounds like our major fact has has to do with some complexity. It does. And I'm not going to be able to explain it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, sure, we can have an ontological uh, discussion about complexity and intelligent design, but I cannot have a discussion about chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we're going to talk about it anyway. The Bombardier beetle has a pretty unique defense mechanism this major fact is called acid bombs i couldn't come up with a better name it's just called acid bombs um or acid trip maybe we could do that throw some drugs in there it's good for the kids so this unique defense system is anything but basic uh when predators like ants spiders praying mantises or frogs threaten the bombardier, it hikes up its glands and gives it a nice and potentially fatal spritzing of a different kind of chemotherapy. The, you know, the kind that doesn't help, just hurts. It helps the, the beetle, at, at least. Uh, the beetle has two acid glands, 
at the end of its bum or abdomen, if you want to be scientific about it and mature. Uh, and these acid glands are lined with special cells that secrete a special mixture. I said special twice. I wrote special twice. You can't do that. I'm. It's like I've never written before. Words um, in a paragraph are like dresses to a prom. You can never use them. You twice. can't have. Right, exactly. Um, lined with peculiar cells <laughs> that secrete a. I already use unique. So we'll go with special. Special mixture of enzymes. Uh, if you don't know what an enzyme is, it is some. It is an organic compound that breaks other compounds down. You have them in your body, uh, and they perform a very specific and vital function in keeping everything normal in your body, um, particularly in your brain. But they have a specific function here. So this these two acid glands lined with the peculiar cells that secrete the enzymes, uh, they are connected to a compressible chamber called a reservoir. And this reservoir has a liquid, it's full, full of a liquid that is a mixture of chemicals that include uh, hydrogen peroxide, among some other things that I didn't recognize. Um, hydrogen peroxide is not an acid. <laughs> uh, you use you, uh, Most people have it in their house. You can use it to brush your teeth. If you roll like that, is it? Um, cor- isn't it? No, it's not corrosive. It just is a bacteria killer. Yeah, it's it's basically harmless to humans. I guess you can't like drink a ton of it, but it's You're supposed like, to dilute it. You're not supposed to just you, have it straight. No, some people brush their teeth with it for sure. I'm, you, they don't drink it, but um, and then you can pour it on wounds to, to kill bacteria part. without it. If you swish with it, it's supposed to be one part uh, hydrogen peroxide, two parts water, or three parts. I've never done it. Listerine tastes so much better, uh, so we'll go with that. I have done it. I do um, it all the time. Really? Yeah, it tastes weird, but you don't have the weird flavor taste for the rest of the night. And you don't That's wake. my favorite part. You, That's what motivates me to wa- to use mouthwash. It's almost like you just had a sugary beverage. I hate it. No, no, it's so fresh. You're so fresh. No That's flavors. like it's it's almost like it's almost so perfect. It almost makes me want like like I can't go to sleep unless I'm tasting that minty freshness. I need to go to sleep clean slate. No flavor. <laughs> Wake up, no flavor. No, I, I, that's what another thing oh. I've heard is people wake up with the bad, like morning breath, more if you use Listerine than if you use hydrogen peroxide. Hmm. Then you I don't can know just if that's use true, Listerine again. <laughs> just you become you double become chemically dependent on Listerine. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, what was I even saying? <laughs> Hydrogen peroxide. Uh, I did, yes, hydrogen peroxide. Um, anyway, use Listerine or use hydrogen peroxide to wash your mouth out. Just stay clean. Kill that bacteria. Anyway, when the bombardier beetle is threatened, 
it turns the not-so-cold shoulder to the Predator and compresses the reservoir that I mentioned um, that's full of like hydrogen peroxide and other things. So it's the chemical chamber. It compresses it, and that squeezes the chemicals into the enzyme glands. So you get chems in the enzyme glands. Um, and then the enzymes break down the chemicals immediately. Uh, and this process creates a substance called uh, benzoquinone, which I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Um, it's, it's pronounced benzoquinoa. <laughs> Be- Benzo Joaquim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, quinoa, <laughs> benzo quinoa. That sounds like you just crushed up some Xanax over your, <laughs> over your couscous your little grains. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's that. There's your superfood right there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. So the if the. If you know anything about the very basics of, of chemistry is that chemical reactions tend to create heat. Um, and this particular chemical reaction creates a lot of heat and releases a lot of energy. So this mixture will get immediately up to 212 degrees, um, which is it immediately vaporizes a good portion of it, a, a, about a fifth. So... You have the reservoir, and you have it attached to the acid glands. You give the reservoir a little squeeze, and that and the hydrogen peroxide and other things goes into the acid glands that are lined with enzymes. The enzymes break them down, and that uh, that chemical reaction creates an acid that is uh, dangerous, and then also vaporizes it and makes it super hot. Um, and it also apparently smells very bad so it's just not a good time for anything on the receiving end of this spritzing how did how hot did uh, you say it was 212 degrees fahrenheit or 100 spicy. degrees celsius so it is exactly boiling point wow um and then it comes out of the aperture which is the hole Arperture, um, it's called? Arp- well, that's what you call a, a hole that opens and closes. An aperture? Arperture? Am I thinking of something else? I'm thinking of, isn't there... I think there's like a video game, like a company inside of a video game called Arperture. And that's what I'm thinking I, of. There's a company inside a video game... Yeah, like aperture. But that's also called portal. aperture science. Half life. Aperture. Oh, okay. Yes. It's in half life. Anyway, aperture is the word. Um, just the so it, it comes out of this hole from the beetle, um, and it releases with a loud pop. So it's loud. It's hot. It's acidic. It's fast. It's Predators don't like it, or potential predators don't like it. Um, so out comes this blast of superheated, vaporized benzo quinoa. 
<laughs> that irritates the eyes and uh, irritates the respiratory system of the predator. Um, and if you know if the predator is like an ant or a spider, it is usually enough to kill them. Not so much for frogs, because uh, they're just bigger and can take it. Um, but for definitely other insects or, or arachnids, smaller things, uh, it's very easily fatal. Uh, the spray is made possible by viewers like you um, <laughs> by 70 compressions of the reservoir in a fraction of a second. Um, and that pressure on the reservoir creates what is called what they call micro explosions. So you thought microaggressions were bad. Micro explosions are worse. <laughs> um, and so it creates a bunch of these little micro explosions that open and close the aperture um, and release this um, r- release the chemicals into the acid gland and then spritz it out the backside. Um, and so that's what that's the, that's the whole system, and it's irrevocably complex. What did you say? Is it irreducibly? Yeah, I wonder if it's irreducibly complex. I wonder if it's because if you remove any of the chemicals, it doesn't work, or if you remove the, I don't know. I don't know why, but I just read that it was. Um, but if you spray, like if you look at a video, you can see they're like little butts. Smoking like a smoking gun, like it's actually really hot coming out of there, and yeah. and, and it may not kill vapor. like bigger animals, but if you flick boiling liquid at me, I'm not going to continue to play with whatever that thing is that did that. I'm Bo- going. Not- I'm taking my ball and going home after that. <laughs> <laughs> not only is it a boiling liquid or a boiling like steam. It's acidic, and um, it's it smells bad. So it's just it's just a bad time for everyone but the beetle. It's and like I think like it's just not like any hotter, and it would cook the beetle too. I th- I think I saw something like that. Like it's very precise in terms of. The something having to do with the fact that it uses pressure to create this to get the system started rather than um, like a muscular compression uh, helps it to keep the the internal uh, temperature low and also allow it to conserve energy when it when it sprays. So it's key to its survival. Um, and some beetles can swivel their glands. I never thought I'd say that. Um, 270 degrees, so most of the way around, uh, to spray in directions they're not facing or not facing away from. So you could be on the left of a bombardier beetle and uh, receive a face full of gland acid. Hot Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Nasty smelling stuff. <laughs> it's like uh, one time that somebody brought over a jalapeno whiskey, and it's like that. <laughs> that sounds unpleasant. 
hot liquid is spicy liquid. I'm not into. I mean, I don't unless it's like a. I don't mind cinnamon um, fireball whiskey. That's kind of spicy. That's not hot. It's not spicy. I beg to differ, but my tolerance is really low. What am I thinking of? What are those bowls? Like it, you get it. At, it's like a bowl. It's like a Asian cuisine. A bowl of ramen. Ramen. Spicy ramen is good. But other than that, I don't like anything spicy, and I'm not a fan of straight alcohol. So, but just jalapeno whiskey just sounds like a bad time. Just smelling it, so I get I would probably get the sweats. But yeah, that is the Bombardier Beetle. And spray superheated acid into the faces of the things that want to eat it. So for you out there in Podcastia, know your chemistry. Keep your glands on a swivel. And use superheated acid to your advantage, like the Bombardier Beetle here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, Taxonomy Titans, I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. Patrons can see full video episodes and get shoutouts on the show. But ultimately, it's a way for you to help us cover some costs and get even better. Still, reviews are the best way to help us grow. So if you haven't left one yet, we'd really love to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening and engaging. podcast. <laughs>